No, no. I'm gonna trade you two sheep for that wood Tell me honey, does that sound good? Cause all I really wanna do Is take away longest road from you, yeah Welcome to these tabletop sessions Welcome to the, welcome to the, welcome to these tabletop sessions Hello fellow gregarious geeks and gamers. Welcome to the 18th episode of the Tabletop Sessions podcast, where we talk about all things tabletop related that have been occupying the hearts and minds of this international group of gamers over the course of the last three weeks. My name is Elias, and with me this week, live from three separate continents, it's TTS Live! Just kidding, we're too terrified to do this live, but uh, say hi guys. Hi, Dima here from Toronto. Привет из Народжения Elias, which in uh, Ukrainian it means hello and happy birthday Elias. Ooh. <laughs> and I'm Byron. And I'm a big boy now. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I'm finally the same age as my wife. Uh, <laughs> That will only be the case for a couple of months. It's your favorite couple of months in the year when I can't say that I'm younger than her. So, oh, oh. <laughs> thanks for bringing us up to all our listeners. <laughs> That's okay. We don't have that many listeners. Uh, <laughs> Still, this is public knowledge now. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, we're recording on my birthday, but. Um, you know, I'm a trooper. We go through. We don't take no. Uh, we, we continue what we did last time. Hashtag no days off. You know what I'm saying? No days off. Yeah, yeah. I, I took Instagram. a day off on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Just to depress you right away on a very sad point, Byron has decided to start off the conversation with this. So um, <laughs> let's depress everyone straight away. Go ahead, Byron. Well, I thought uh, I was hoping that you, you would. <laughs> oh, did you just highlight it green so that I could do it? <laughs> he was hoping oh, you could depress everyone on your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> You're the news guy, Byron. Oh, that's true. So, Chad Jensen, beloved board game designer of Dominant Species and a few other GMT games, uh, passed away after his long battle with cancer this week. That's really sad news. Yeah. Um, we're big fans of uh, Chad. Yes, um, we are. Especially uh, Dominant Species is one of our favorite games. I know he also did Advanced Squad Leader and a few other very much loved and admired game designs. And our, my heart's with his family. And we've lost a great one, guys. And um, if you are a fan of heavy games and you don't know about Chad Jensen's games, I could not recommend him more. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, rest in peace. Uh, Ipo, you know you're a big fan of his designs as well. Uh, everybody leaves something behind when he leaves this world. Uh, I think this guy left a lot in uh, the board gaming community. And Dominant Species will always remind him to us. And you know, like I always say this, other than being one of my top 10 games, Dominant Species is the best rule book that I've ever read. And I believe he wrote that. And because I know 
GMT didn't do it because <laughs> considering the right rules, they're they're trash for the rule books. But um, it's literally one of the clearest, most concise. I mean, such a heavy game that I literally just read through the rule book once and I was like, all right, I know how to play, and then never had to check it ever again. Yeah, <laughs> and really, that says a lot about the guy and his designs. And you know, you'll be missed. You'll be missed. And um, thank you for all you've done, Chad. And my. Uh, my uh, condolences to his family and his loved ones. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure how to move on to the next topic, but um, here we go. So hopefully, well, this is. Uh, I have a way. Hopefully, yeah. in in the paradise, there are, you know, green fields. Oh my god! <laughs> I have a way better way of doing this, guys. <laughs> the best way that we can commemorate Chad Jensen is to celebrate board gaming and the hobby that he loves. And speaking of that, let's go ahead and talk about what we've been playing recently. <laughs> Thank you, Elias. That was so, really better. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I agree. So recently, <laughs> Ipo and I played... is the green fields. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to be positive. <laughs> oh my God, it's too funny. <laughs> so speaking of paradise and green fields, <laughs> Ipo and I played La Granja last week. Um, I had played it a couple of years ago with Elias. We, we've owned it for a few years now. It's by Michael Keller, Andreas O.D. Odenhall, published by Spielworks in 2014. So La Granja is basically a farm that you're managing and you're growing resources like olives, grapes, wheat, and you have your animals that you're catering to and then you need to balance between production and consumption of the goods you're producing um, it's also an area management game so when you're selling your products to the village um, there's a bit of area control there so the first player that gets there uh, can then be pushed off the board by other players that come in later and you get points for that. It's so it's it is a heavy euro, but there is player interaction, which I like, um, which is not very common in Euro where you can actually remove other people's pieces off the board. So La Granja, might, it's sorry, Dima, yeah. it's funny that uh, you didn't remember if uh, there's wine that we're uh, growing or something else. And I was trying to help you, but I couldn't remember also. And <laughs> and I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking the game. It's not, it's not so thematic to yeah. make you feel like you're really doing this. I mean, it's a great game. Yeah. But it's not really like farming, right? I agree, and I think the main thing that causes that is they use the same tokens to represent everything, everything right? So yeah. the little the little cylindrical tokens represent trade goods and grapes and wine and pigs and uh, market stalls and and I think because of that you have a harder time remembering what it is exactly that you're selling at the market or that you're producing and sending to one of the trade goods trade buildings. You know, I agree. Bar Baron, this is one you've played as well, but we played a four player. Now my big thing with La Granja is that it's I think it is best at two players. BGG says it's best at four. But when I played with you, Byron, uh, Byron, Ipo, and Diego, I genuinely did not enjoy the game. I just felt it took too long to get back to my turn. I felt like it was too fiddly. 
I felt like people were not able to keep track of what was happening and I just didn't enjoy it at all. Um, so when I played it two players again, after that, I sort of reiterated to myself, oh yeah, it's a magnificent two player game. But what did you think of your four player game since that's your only experience of that game? So I had a completely opposite experience than you did. I loved it at four. I felt it was the interaction was great and everyone was doing something and it wasn't it wasn't a terrible experience at all. Maybe you could have felt it was a bit finicky because turns do take a while to get back to you. But yeah. apart mm-hmm. from, apart from that, I think the market actions are quite quite fun. Um with the incremental numbers and all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think what it was was maybe because I was running the game because I taught the game. Yeah. I had to be there on everyone's turn to be like, all right, this is what you do. This is how you do that. And it just kind of felt like I kept repeating myself. I kept doing tiny little actions for everyone. Yeah. Are we talking about the same game? Because uh, if I was there, uh, and I remember one game we played four players. You were. Uh, you said th- I didn't enjoy the game. I would say that this is a understatement. I hated yeah. the game. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm with you. And Byron <laughs> says that uh, so everybody was doing something. I was doing probably something else, like playing with my phone or something. It was so boring. <laughs> Maybe I don't. Did you feel the same way in the two-player game, Ipo? No, Did you also a, no, feel like it was long? Okay. No, it was an excellent game. I mean, even with four players, I could see that the um, the mechanics are there to make a great game. Mm-hmm. But it was taking so long. Okay. Okay, to be honest, it was our first game. Maybe mm-hmm. nobody knew the game. Maybe it took us so long to see what to do because you have many options in every turn yeah. in this game. And we played it again after, what, two years? No, I played it a ton. I just didn't play it with you. Yeah. Be- because I wasn't sure if my reason I didn't enjoy it with four players was because it was four players or because it was you, you and Diego who are two of the people that take the longest turns in terms of... So I wasn't sure. So I kind of avoided playing with you guys <laughs> specifically. And um, I, I, I'm not going to lie. Like as a two-player game, it's one of my top 50 games. Like I think it's phenomenal. Um, it's just really like I, I suffered with it at four. Um, but Byron has a different experience. So I guess it's up to you. I guess it's how much does the finicky nature bother you? And um, how like... How worried are you about not having anything to do until it's your turn again? Yeah. Because for me, that's the major thing with the Granja is turns take forever because there's a lot of little things you have to do, mm-hmm. especially when people don't know how to play. So at a two-player game, it really doesn't take that long to come back to you and you always feel like you're involved. Um, but but at two players, it's one of the best games I've played and it's my favorite farming-themed game that I've played. One of the aspects of the game that I love is that the cards, on all four sides of the cards, you have different things you can do. So the top part aspect of the card is like selling things to the market. The left is different resources. The right is other resources. And the bottom is specific abilities. And when you play the cards, you decide which side of the card you want to use. And I think that part of the game adds a lot of time. because. Um, you play the card right after you restock your hand. So it's not like this is something you can think about while you're waiting for other people to play their turns. So I think that that might add 
time to the yeah, game. That if you're... and the deliveries were a big deal. Yeah. So like when people were deciding what deliveries to make, I remember just feeling complete exhaustion, just trying to keep up with all four players. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I played just me and you, Dima, which we've played at what, six, seven, eight times, mm-hmm. um, I really enjoyed because I just think about my puzzle because the game's an excellent puzzle. And the it only is. real luck factor in the game is what cards you draw into your hand. Yeah. Uh, other than that, there's no luck factor in the game. And even then, you ha- you can have a hand of up to five or six because you can increase your hand. So true. Yeah, luck doesn't even factor. Do in you that guys much. feel that uh, with two players, uh, you need one more? Like when I was playing it two players, I was feeling maybe the game is not made for two players. The interaction for- on the middle board was light. Let's say yes. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The market board becomes less valuable at two players, but that's my least favorite part of La Granja. My favorite part of La Granja is the farm management. Mm-hmm. And the farm management aspect becomes less interesting the longer you have to wait between turns. So it's got some problems, but um, for me personally, it just works really well at two players. I don't mind that there's less uh, aggression on the um, the market board. I still feel like there's enough there. And the part that I truly enjoy in the game really shines at the lower player counts. Maybe the key, the, the best spot is three. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've only played it two and four. So might be might be worth trying at three players. Yeah, one puzzle aspect of the game that I really like is like balancing production versus uh, consumption. Because if when it comes time to production, you haven't used up your resources, you're capped. You can't add any more. So... I really like that punishing aspect of the game. It really makes you feel like you want to be more efficient in your decisions. All right. So that's La Granja by Michael Keller and Andreas Odi Odenhall. So Elias got some interesting news the other day. Insider info. Insider info. (laughs) It seems a group of gamers is trying to remake Sigigahara but as a new theme, War for Granada. Yeah, I don't think they're remaking it. They've, they've sort of said it's the same system as Seki Gohara. So this guy in Spain got in touch with me, and he was like, listen, we're, um, I see you really love Seki Gohara, the unification of Japan, which is one of my favorite games. And he said, um, uh, we're doing a, a war game in the same system, but with a theme which is based around Al-Andalus and... Uh, the uh, last Muslim kingdom in, in Spain, uh, which is Granada, which is after the Reconquista starts and sort of uh, the Christian uh, city-states like Toledo and these guys start taking over. Granada is the last place left, which is under Moorish control. And um, they're publishing it with Compass Games. I'm very excited to try it because like, it sounds a little bit, it sounds like Sigihara, but at the same time, the idea of being like one surrounded by many also gives me like states of siege, sort of like uh, uh, Zulus on the ramparts or, or, or um, cruel necessity feelings. So just thematically, I feel like you have that in there. I love that whole theme, and this is really early because this game's not even it's not even got a BGG page yet. So um, if you are at all interested in the theme or you're interested in um, Sekigahara as a system, this is definitely one to keep an eye on. Which is the? Uh, it's currently called. Um, check it out. I believe he's called. It's called Granada, the Last Stand of the Moors, and then the dates, which are um, eighteen. Eight, uh, I can't remember. 
It was 14... <laughs> 1482 to 1492. Yeah, it's 1482 to 1492. So yeah, check oh. that out. If that's interesting to you. I, Ipo, have you played? You, you played Sekigahara with me, right? Yeah, I played it uh, online. Yeah. I think in uh, yukata.de. Oh, that was not yeah. a good experience. No. And I hated it. Yeah, yeah. because the, the <laughs> It's a horrible but, uh, <laughs> software. Yeah. In general, online gaming can ruin a game for you. Yeah. I mean, I know I ruined uh, Civilization for you guys. For sure, yes. And <laughs> <laughs> without a doubt. And uh, that happened to me, I think, for with uh, Sekigahara. Yeah. Well, uh, Dima and Byron, I think, have both played the real version with me. Um, and I think they probably had better experiences than you. So, do you guys like Sekigahara? I like Sekigahara. I don't like playing it with Elias, but I do like playing it with <laughs> uh, I second what Byron said. Yeah. <laughs> you guys okay, make just me seem like a bad person. To, to, to elaborate, to elaborate, the the game is. I like how simple and straightforward the game is for a war game. Um, a lot of the GMT games are super complicated and require a lot of time to for Elias to explain the game to me because I don't read rule books. <laughs> but um, Elias is usually really good at war games. And so because he consistently beat me and Byron, we are both sore losers. And we decided that we don't want to play two-player board games with <laughs> Elias anymore. Yep. But as a game, it's... Um, I, I really liked the the movement, the battles, um, the the like the way the cards interact with the tiles on the board. Yeah, it's it's a very smooth the thing about Sekigahara is it's very delicate because yeah, like you said, there's a simple rule set, but the the beauty in the game comes in the impact combat system, which mm -hmm. is how you group certain types of blocks together and combine that with what you have in your hand and sort of use them at the right time so that the hands and the blocks sort of multiply with each other to make you super impactful in combat. Um, very elegant system, yeah. It's a very elegant So I'm wondering if this game will have that, because if it has that elegant, then I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. So I've contacted him, because he wanted some help with some translation stuff. So I've contacted him, I helped him out, and I asked him, you know, where we can get a copy and stuff. So I'd be really interested to play this game and report back to you guys, but... This is just something for the two-player block war game fans out there or any history buffs that are interested in the uh, the Moorish invasion of Al-Andalus and the Reconquista following that. So, yeah, there you go. The designer said it's not exactly Sekigahara. It's, uh, it's just based on Sekigahara. Because uh, otherwise, I would like to ask you guys, would you think that uh, Sekigahara in another theme is a thing that the board gamers would need? Like, would you buy a, ga a Sekigahara game with just a different... I would never buy the same game historical with a different theme. Background? I would buy a yeah. game with a slightly different mechanism if it changes a bit. So, like, um, for example, if you see um, a game like uh, A Few Acres of Snow, and then they've also released another version of it, which is based on the... Um, the Punic Wars, um, Hands in the Sea. And it's a different designer and different publishing company. Apparently, there's enough difference in the game to really enjoy both ways. But if it's just 
a few years of snow, the exact same thing, but they changed it from the uh, American Canadian war. Then, then I'm not so interested in that game. I'm not interested at all. Like I have one of them. It's enough. Unless I really love the theme, then I would just buy that copy and not the first one. Is that so, what they did with Terra Mystica? Uh, yeah, but they changed enough of the game that apparently people are enjoying owning both Gaia okay. Project and Terra Mystica. Okay. I mean, you do have games where they just change the theme, and I usually won't switch along with that. So, like Dune, they created Rex, like, and I love the Twilight and Pyramid universe, but I love the Dune universe more. And so mm-hmm. I stuck with my copy of Dune, my old copy yeah. of Dune. I didn't really grab that Rex copy. So either I have to absolutely love the theme, and in that case I would replace it, not have both, or they have to change it enough that there's different strategy and tactics in the game, and then I'm happy to own both. Oh, there you go. That's Granada, the last stand of the Moors. Check it out. So, guys, uh, uh, just a couple of years after uh, Alice's birthday, Soviet <laughs> Union was <laughs> dissolved, and uh, that's uh, our next game. We played Twilight Struggle with a friend of mine, Basil, I don't know if you remember him, guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, He's the guy Eugenio we, completely shit on in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, he's famous now. He's very sensitive about it, so we like to bring it up as much as possible. <laughs> yes. So apparently we played three games in a row of Twilight Struggle, which is a game about for okay it's it's a very famous game but i guess some of uh, our listeners might not know the game so it's uh, about the cold war is a two player game one player one player has uh, the soviet union and the other player plays the united states of america it's a area control game you're trying to influencing uh, the countries of the world and uh, it's a card game so uh, in every phase, each player has eight cards. You play one card, the other player plays the card. And uh, you have two options that remind me the coin system. Because you can neither play your own cards and do the operations that are uh, depicted on the card, or you can play the opposite superpower cards And again, you can do the operations for your country, but the event for uh, the other superpower is now activated. So you win something and at the same time you lose something. This is a a mechanism that made people crazy, uh, super fans uh, back in the 2000s. And that was was the reason that uh, Twilight Struggle uh, reached uh, the number one in Board Game Geek. I think it was right before Puerto Rico, right after right Puerto after Rico. Puerto Rico, right after Puerto Rico. So Twilight Struggle is a game uh, designed by Ananda Gupta and Jason Matthews, published by GMT Games in 2005. Okay, so it was close enough. Uh, <laughs> and it was it stayed in the number one of BGG for five years, mm-hmm. longer than any other game before or after, except Puerto Rico. <laughs> that's insane uh, I have played this game uh, 10 times online and uh, I loved it even online uh, yesterday I played it 
with a board and everything. And uh, I realized that the board is huge. <laughs> I mean, you really, you really need a big table for this game. I don't know why it's so big. I mean, okay, I appreciate it that now that I'm getting older and I cannot read uh, <laughs> clear enough. But, <laughs> but it was really... And, and we played it in a cafe. Oh, so wow. The, yeah, and people were passing by and they were asking, guys, what are you playing? And we we're saying, okay, we're playing a game about the Cold War and everybody was interested. So... The theme is so amazing. Everybody's interested in this theme. Everybody, okay, should I say everybody uh, above, above 30 years old <laughs> that uh, remember, remember that time of the Cold War? What do you guys think? I mean, I'm above 30. I don't remember the Cold War. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think uh -huh. any of us here remember the Cold War other than you, <laughs> When did the Cold I War end? It was cold, yeah. Uh, well, well, 1992. Yes, with the okay. Anyway, never mind that. Um, <laughs> the only thing that kept it in my collection as long as it did was the theme. I love the theme, and I like the cards a lot. The event cards. It doesn't remind me of the coin system. It reminds me of like Virgin Queen, which is all. It's all the the card driven game, the card driven system, which all started with the first edition of We the People, which I think is a Herman game, and I think the basic concept is. You play a card for the event, or you play a card for the operational points in the top. And that's the system that is there, which is the same system in Virgin Queen and so on. Um, I, I really love the look of it. I love the way it plays. I love the giant board. It's so good. Um, the reason I sold... There is only... What? Sorry, I was going to say, you're going to say there is only one problem. No, the reason I sold the game to you, Ipo... Um, is because of one critical thing is the way the dice works. So, um, exactly. so, you know, in many games, you get to roll dice and then you get to make the decision based on your results. And this one, you say, oh, I'm going to try to do, uh, what are they called? Revolutions or um, there's two kinds. Uh, realignment rolls. Yeah, realignment coups. and coups. Yeah, or in, yeah. yeah, exactly. So you decide you're going to do a realignment roll or a coup, and then you roll and you're like, well, I guess I succeeded, or I guess I failed. <laughs> and I never like games where strategically you have to make decisions and then roll a dice and then just see if your strategy worked just because of the luck of a D6 roll. I always hate that. Um, I don't mind it so much in combat systems, and I don't mind it so much in multiplayer games where negotiation has a big aspect like Twilight Imperium or Virgin Queen, but I mind it a lot in two-player games. Like, it's, it's literally just me against you. It's not like I'm going to temporarily get you on my side whilst luck works itself out. No, I'm mm -hmm. coming at you and you know I'm coming at you. And what's determining whether I succeed or not is a D6. And so because of that, I never got the desire to bring it back out. And um, that's why I sold the copy to Ipo, which I'm super glad he played three times in a row. I mean, it's a great game and it deserves to come out, but goddamn, like three times in a row. Like, <laughs> How long was each game? Yeah, Basel lost uh, very quickly in the first two games. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say. I would say you have an uh, unfair advantage playing 10 games before. Yeah, but, but he lost all 10 games before. So The other thing that was also true is that Basel wanted to play the United States which is harder and, for uh, beginners. And they have a disadvantage in their early game. Yeah. So I took full advantage of uh, <laughs> of Stalin uh, era. And uh, the game ended uh, prematurely in yeah. the first two games. Yeah. In the third game, I was playing the United States. So it was 
longer and it was uh, more interesting, I would say. I remember when I, um, last time I played, I played it with Ricardo. Yes. I wanted to learn the game. I taught him how to play. And <laughs> I realized that whenever I would just do realignment rolls or coups in Portugal, he would spend the next God knows how many turns just trying to win Portugal back because he's Portuguese. <laughs> so he got personally attached to the game. So while he was doing that, I just slowly took over the Middle East everywhere, scored it twice, had domination there, and won the game like super quickly. And it was just really funny to see someone bring in their personal nationality and politics into the game because usually you look at it like chess but with dice, which is, you know, shit. So. Yeah, Basel yesterday didn't want to play the Russians. Yeah, because <laughs> that guy is all about Merca, Merca, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny. I mean. yeah. These cra crazy, <laughs> crazy nationalists. <laughs> But uh, I want to say, yeah, I agree. Everybody knows I hate dice, uh, especially when it's so dominant and uh, can make a real difference in a game. Uh, I will give... To this game, the benefit of doubt, I would say, by saying that you're gonna roll enough dice that it's gonna even out in the end, maybe. Yes, but if you're rolling for Guam, it's not as valuable as if you're rolling for Berlin, right? So when your luck hits is a big deal in the game. So yeah. So would you recommend this game? Is this something you enjoy playing, or do you feel that The totally. dice the guy played it three strategy. times in a row, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know, Basel I, I, was his first time, like, maybe his first time in a long time, maybe. So no, he was I just love getting the game, warmed but up. At the, same, at the same time, I see the flaws that Elias is okay. uh, explaining. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a great game. I just think it shows its age. I think there are better two-player options out there. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, like, the theme is phenomenal and... Um, it looks great, and honestly, the cards are so well thought out. I really enjoy the way the cards play off of each other and how certain cards are only valuable if other cards have already come out, and some become so valuable if you've already played something else out. Like, there's a whole thing with the Marshall Plan, and I, I, it's just great. It's it's a good... I agree. And how, the, how thematic uh, the cards yeah. are. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I loved reading the cards. That was my favorite part of playing. That's one of the few things I remember from the game, and I like that it sways in one person's favor versus another over time. Like you push each other back and forth. I didn't feel like it was um, like all of a sudden you just realized that you lost the game. In, few, in a few acres of snow, I felt like it was harsher when I lost. <laughs> That was 100% <laughs> on you, woman. Do, like, do you I saw like me, struggle? Yeah, saw me I felt like military. I lasted longer. <laughs> You're like, I wonder if he's going to attack. Why has he got all these cannons in his reserve? Because I'm going to attack you. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. I think Byron played the same people as me in a few acres of snow. No? And then you did the same thing with him? Listen, we'll we'll talk about that later. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, Twilight Struggle is a very good game. There might uh, be uh, a better two-player game out there. Our listeners will know in about 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, so that was Twilight Struggle. All right, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, a game that we've all been sort of obsessing about. Well, um, Barn and uh, not Barn, but Ipo with me and Dima specifically has been Pax Renaissance. Uh, the heaviest of the pack series 
um, by Phil Eklund and Sierra Madre Games. Now, I've been terrified of this game. I bought it more than a year ago, and I just tried to read the rule book and just gave up so many times. It's in really tiny font, and your eyes just cannot... Not, it's not just the font, but it's really heavy stuff being discussed, and it's just it's just really hard. So, Ipo, before we, we left uh, Qatar and, and moved to Toronto, Ipo had just come back from, from Greece, and we decided... We're gonna we're gonna spend some time and figure out how to play this game. So Ipo and I literally just sat there and we we watched two entire playthroughs of the game, and then we kind of understood it <laughs> at that point. Yeah. And then we Ipo sort of read the rule book. Um, I I watched another few videos, and then we're like, all right, we're gonna do this. So Dima, Ipo, and I sit down, and we bang out a game, our first game of Pax Renaissance. And the way we played was sort of discussing openly our strategies so that people would understand what options are on the table. I think that was a very valuable thing we did. After that, me and Ipo played it one-on-one, and I've played it since with Dima one-on-one. So I've played the game three times now, which for a normal game might be enough to review it, but for Pax Renaissance, with the level of depth we're talking about here, I need about... 30 more before I can start discussing <laughs> all the strategies available in the game. But I do feel like it's something worth talking about. It's currently, it's by Phil Eklund and Matt Eklund, his son, published by Sierra Madre Games in 2016, has a weight of 4.31 on BGG, which if you know anything, you know that's really heavy. Wow. Um, it's a game about being Renaissance bank- banking families. So the Medici's, the Fuggers, the, uh, I can't remember the other ones. Um, <laughs> um, basically, you're extending your influence across Europe um, by pushing the world towards, like pushing Europe towards the condition you want to push it towards, which is, do you want it to be Catholic? Do you want it to be Protestant or Muslim? Do you want... Um, you want to manipulate the trade affairs that happen in the West and the East. You want to manipulate the political state. You want a renaissance. You want republics. You want an age of empire and kings. Whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, it's there in this game. And you're just trying to manipulate it using your money, pushing left and right on royal families and making the world what it is. It's the same theme as Virgin Queen, sort of. Uh, without Virgin Queen is that without the bankers. It's your the the royal families. This one is like where the money comes in. So um, in the game, it has the same sort of system as other PAX games, which follows the market system. But in this case, there's two markets. There's the North market and the West market. And you're buying cards from there and you're affecting different things. Uh, When you play a card, there's a one shot on it. You do that. There's so many one shots. And you sort of, the best way to do it is sort of learn them as they come up on your first play. Um, Once you play cards, they enter your tableau. And you're able to activate the operations, the ops on the cards, either by activating the east or west side of your tableau. There's so many other things you can do. There's marriage. There's um, there's jihads and religious wars. There's uh, peasant uprisings. There's uh, building up um, repression in kingdoms to cause people to rise up. There's creating votes to create republics. Oh, man, there's so much in this game. Um and it's a tiny little box. And that's where I want to talk about the best things about this game. It is a tiny box. I mean, it's the size of, I don't know, what's the equivalent? The uh, size of Arboretum or um, just like that, like a game with like a deck of cards and a couple other things. Yeah, like where words, trap words, like all those exactly, party games. Exactly. But the depth in this game 
is just stunning. It's so deep. Um, it's also not a very expensive game, at least when I bought it. I'm not sure what the availability is now, but I paid like 30-something bucks for it, and it's a small thing that literally fits in my backpack. It doesn't take up a lot of table space. We played it here at the Airbnb, and it took up half of our little three-person table. Um, it's just stunning, the depth you get per square inch of table space. Um Another amazing thing about it is... <laughs> the depth per square. I mean, it's a thing. <laughs> the other thing is the gameplay length. So at three players on our first play, it took an hour and a half. And on every two-player version, it's taken less than an hour that we've played. So, I mean, th that's an amazing thing. Like, such a deep game that you feel the depth that only takes an hour or less. Ipo? I'm going to say it's the, the, the more depth you can get per second. That's right. <laughs> Since you said per, per square inch, I would say per second if you, also. If you look up the there's function, no other game. The function of depth per second per square inch, you cannot beat this game. <laughs> <laughs> there's no other game with such a depth that you can play in one hour and or in one hour and thirty minutes. Other can you convert that to I... the metric system? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is Europe in the Renaissance. We don't use metric. So um, another thing that's amazing is I think. As a two-player game, it's absolutely stunning. So as a three-player game, we sort of played it. I won the game, and in the end, like both the Dima and Ipo were sort of trying to figure out how to stop me. And it didn't bother me at all. But if you don't like to feel targeted when you're winning a game, that might be something to look out for. It is the duty of the other players to stop you from winning. Um, because the way the game works is, there's four possible victory conditions. When these comets come out, you select the comets and you get to flip over one of the four victory conditions. And that victory condition now becomes an active way to win the game. Multiple of them can be flipped over. Once you achieve it, one of your two actions in your turn has to be to claim victory. So it's, it's not easy. Everyone knows what you're going for. And they see the ways to stop you right there on the board. And they can team up and help sort of help each other to... To plug away at your strength to be able to stop you so that's one negative is if you're sensitive to that other people actively trying to stop you from winning that's there i don't mind that at all but what i will say is that a two-player version you sort of expect that every two-player game is about stopping the other person from winning while you're trying to win and it is so deep it is so deep like i remember i was playing with ipo and he was winning on uh, he had more kingdoms than I did, and he had the uh, more influence in Islam, which was the dominant religion at the time. But I just kept irritating him and stopping him from winning. Like, I would save up and grab the comet, and I would flip over Renaissance victories, which are based on republics and laws, which he didn't have. <laughs> or I would flip over, the, I, would, I, I would go for the other, I got two comets in a row before he got any, and I picked the two winning conditions that he didn't have a chance to get. <laughs> and... Um, and he just, he was so dominant in the other two regions, he won in the end, but he didn't even realize that the, the game had naturally created a situation where I could have just caused a peasant revolt in, um, in, uh, I was one cube away, basically one concession away from causing a peasant revolt in, uh, Portugal. And when I did that, I would have won the game in terms of one of the victory conditions that was already flipped over. And the game is so deep that he didn't even realize that was happening because he just realized that I was trying to stop him from winning. 
But in the meantime, I was sort of plugging away, trying to get my way there. And whilst I didn't accomplish it, I always felt like I had a chance. And that should tell you the level of complexity in the game. Depending on the order in which cards come out, it gives you so many different options and so many different paths to take. And it's really something special to look at it and see a tapestry of different paths and deciding which path to take. It's art. like It feels like art when the game itself is painting a different picture every time. Now that I've finished gushing about it, I will say there's a couple of things I don't like. One of them, as I told you before, if you are sensitive to being targeted, don't play this game. Secondly, well, maybe you should because Dima's usually sensitive to this stuff and she doesn't seem to mind it in this game. The other thing is I hate one of the ops called the beheading op. So it's an op which just lets you kill another card in a tableau that matches uh, the location of that card. But the, the card could literally just be the east or the west, so you could kill any card you want in that region. Um, the reason I don't like it, whilst all PAX games have a way of killing other cards, like in PAX Perfuriana, you can send a posse or an army or whatever, but it gives you a chance to defend it. You could bring in your own army to defend it, and when you do that, it'll stop someone else from taking it. There's no way to defend against this beheading um, unless you use a beheading of your own to remove their card. So it was the one thing where I felt like, oh, okay, I don't have a chance to defend against this. Um, so I didn't like that particular op. Maybe I'll feel better about it in the future. But that being said, it did allow Ipo to stop me from winning for a couple of rounds the first time we played. So there is value to it. And the main thing that is a problem with this game, it's a fucking bear to learn and to teach. Like I told you, we had to watch things. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Heavy Cardboard. Because without them, we'd never have played this game. We watched both their playthroughs. It's just absolutely a stunning game in its scope. And after learning and, te and teaching it, like it's not something I want to do. But in its credit, I hadn't played this game now in like almost a month. And I was able to brush the rules up on Demo without even referencing the rule book. So it did stick in my head quite well after just two plays and now after three plays i feel like i could probably just teach this game from scratch but if i ever forget the rules it's not going to be one of those that just says oh it's game night why don't we just pull out packs renaissance and see how it goes <laughs> like i'll need a week <laughs> to prep for this so that's my main cons it's a stunning game after three plays i cannot tell you it's super high up on my list of um favorite games of all time after just three plays so um, guys, what do you think of Pax Ren? I really don't like two-player war games because they're a lot about sabotaging the other player's strategy to win. And um, I get super butthurt when people um, ruin my game. <laughs> so this game <laughs> doesn't have that. Like, at least for me, I, I didn't feel targeted personally because you're sort of sharing the board and the pieces on the board are like fair play for everyone to use um there so if you see that uh islam is the dominating religion on the board you can get cards that like represent islam and then you can be in that race as well you know so it's not just because um a player owns Portugal and Islam is dominant in Portugal or something like that, that 
they're going to maintain the win the whole game. So I like that aspect of the game. It it reminded me a lot of Pax Pamir in the sense that the board is for everyone. The pieces are for everyone to use. And yeah, you have your kingdoms that people can take away from you. But um, overall, it's such a short game that you don't have time to take it personally, I felt. So I I really, I really liked how heavy it was strategy-wise. Like Ipo said, every second of it is spent like thinking about your strategy and scratching your brain. But um, I would really recommend it for two-player strategic game if you want to change a bit from Euros. I should also <laughs> say it's not just a two-player game. Yes, yes. Of course it isn't, but I mean, <laughs> in terms of heavy strategy for two players, <laughs> I would recommend it. For for three and four players, I like I know you you said that me and Ipo had to gang up on you, but um, I don't know. I just I didn't feel like it was personal to no, you. No, no, it's all. I just it's all. I, it, it, in general, I feel like the game is. I just, I just feel I like know, some people get sensitive to that, right? Like some people yeah, yeah. are like, I'm about to win. I mean, like you're ruining my experience. No, it's my job to drag your ass down when you're trying to win. Like with Ipo, mm -hmm. like after turn two, he basically had the winning condition. And I I made mm -hmm. him like scrap for it before <laughs> he was able to get it. And I felt like at the end he deserved it. <laughs> and, and I felt like he... Uh, left the game feeling like he he deserved it and i didn't let him just have it and walk off like oh well done you're so good at this like, like fucking fight for it that's how this game works yeah i want to say that uh i love the game both with two and three players uh i'm just taking now bgg says that uh even with four players it's almost equally good as with two players and it's best with three but you guys, you covered everything, every aspect of the game. I just want to say again that I will never forget that we spent two full days of our <laughs> lives <laughs> learning the game. Like, okay, I know that the first night uh, we fall asleep watching the playthrough. <laughs> but the next morning, Byron, seriously, the next morning I was reading the rules and then I get back to Elias and we were watching together the second play. Actually, I found him uh, watching the second playthrough. We watched the playthrough and uh, then we, we really, I mean, there are too many <laughs> rules, too many concepts in the rules. And each concept is like a special game that you need to know. There's no other way to play because every one shot, every one time event that the, uh, it's on the card, has a special way to be solved. So you need to know these things. And not only it was amazing for me that we managed to learn the game, it was also amazing that we, uh, we saw Dima learning the game from us in like 30 mm. minutes. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't expect that. I mean, I would say, I was thinking, okay, there's no way I can explain this game to, to Dima. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and even if I can, I mean, there's no way anybody can learn the game in uh, uh, such a short period. But we did it, and I'm very happy and proud that we did it. I'm and proud of you too, Now, <laughs> And now we're like the three only people on earth that we can play this game. <laughs> 
I don't think anybody sure. else will have the the courage or the time to spend and learn the game. I will oh, say, I Dima and I pl played I the game I mean, earlier today, um, and because Dima sort of forgot a lot of it, I was explaining my strategy to her. So I was like, okay, I've taken this Islamic uh, bishop, which is basically an imam, and in my, in the hope that if I can convert one of these eastern countries to Islam with a jihad, then I can go for an Islamic victory since I already control the Ottomans. So I literally explained that to her, and she knew that. And so she knew she had to get a Catholic bishop on the board. But just the way that it worked out, I managed to time it out in a way that there was nothing she could do about it. And I got the Islamic victory. And there's a lot to be said about a game where the solution is on the board, and the timing can matter to the extent that you might not get it because um, yeah. of what you chose to do in what order. So it's just stunning. And it took about just what under 50 minutes and like 45, 50 minutes. And Dima told me, let's play it again. And I was like, oh, that's just awesome. Like, I love that. Like, I don't know. Dima is not big on like games where your job is to pull down the other person. And this game is mm -hmm. just so stunning in its depth, and it's 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 or it's I don't know if it's in my top ten, but it I mean it's damn close if it isn't, but it might actually already be in my top ten. And I just I think about it, I think about it a lot. <laughs> I think about this game an inordinate amount compared to how much I've played this <laughs> game. I'm never gonna forget coming home at 11 p.m. And seeing Elias and Ipo busting out their glasses that I didn't even know they had, <laughs> <laughs> reading the rule book and watching the playthrough. So if you guys are planning on learning the game, bring out your glasses and uh, get on it. Yeah. Uh, two more things I want to say. Okay, thinking out loud in our very first game was really helpful to learn the game. Mm -hmm. And I would suggest every listener to do that if they want to play this game. 100%. And uh, the second thing is that uh, I remember uh, Elias before he was saying uh, uh, that uh, one of the uh, cons of the game is that uh, it has a very s small box, no, right? No, that was a pro. Uh, ah, yes, correct. Yeah, so it was yeah. a pro. Okay, so this pro makes the rule books so small <laughs> <laughs> that you cannot read the, the fucking rule book. He's not wrong. He's not wrong about it's that. It's tiny. That, like, is a that very was like good font point. seven. <laughs> it was bad. All right, guys. So that was Pax Renaissance, an awesome game by Sierra Madre. <laughs> so you know how Pax fans are quite irritating. <laughs> you are more irritating. <laughs> I risk fans. <laughs> So here's a nice bit of news for wristbands out there. Jimi Hendrix, the great guitarist, apparently played Risk a lot on acid. <laughs> this is a Kotaku article he found, and it's marvelous. <laughs> it wasn't just it doesn't say he, he played a lot. It said he was unbeatable when he was on acid. <laughs> <laughs> which makes me just want to try playing risk on acid and seeing what i could do um it's such a good article i will link it in the episode description it's just awesome when you see like the greatest guitarist of all time played board games like the, a yeah. rock star <laughs> god you know what i mean that was you know the crotch thrusting on the stage and groupies throwing themselves at him goes backstage and is like, you all want to play risk? 
<laughs> so nerds are nerds. So it's kind of like the Vin Diesel of D and D. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 a nerd. Uh, so I always felt like I had some kinship with Jimi Hendrix, and now now I know what it was. So yeah, awesome article. So good. It's on Kotaku. We'll link it in the description. So good. On that note of badass things to do with your time, Dima's about to take us <laughs> to the game show of the week, baby. Yeah. Woo-hoo! Yeah. <laughs> Bro, je ne comprends pas quel jeu. So you have to speak to me in Esperanto. Okay, guys, let's do this. Welcome to With a Little Help from Esperanto. Oh, no. This week, I picked <laughs> 10 games. <laughs> I guess you guys played it really recently. Okay, so I picked 10 games. It's very simple, guys. You're going to have a great time. Your faces are so enthusiastic right now. It's Catano. I know. So I took the title of 10 games. Oh, yeah. she, I think, and, Dima, you didn't do the subtitle like I did last yeah. time. So. So, so I took the titles of the games and I ran, it, I ran them through about five to 10 languages on Google Translate and then back to English. I'm going to tell you what came out at the other end and you guys need to guess what the game was. Okay? Um, here's the thing. I'm going to read to you what the new game name is. And you guys all together are going to have 30 seconds to guess what the game is. Um, If like one person guessed uh, Catan, for example, and it's supposed to be Settlers of Catan, um, I'm going to ask everyone else to hold off and give that person the chance to complete the name because it's not fair. They guess the game. Actually, it's it's called Catan nowadays, actually. I know. (laughs) (laughs) In case I use the old version of the title because I used games that have like titles that are three to five words because one word is not really fun. Okay? Are you guys ready? I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. First game. Disco at the side of the road. <laughs> okay. What? Okay. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, man. Uh, it... Damn it, I forgot to put a timer on. <laughs> One second. Disco at the side of yeah. the road. Oh, man. I'm going to go for Panic on Wall Street. Oh! Daddy's climbing yeah. on me. One second. <laughs> <laughs> our, our, our dog just got really excited. We should have. We should have recorded this out of viral. Wow. <laughs> How's panic in Wall Street disco? Disco panic disco. Panic oh. at the disco. I guess. <laughs> and Wall Street. I think they just roadside street roadside. <laughs> it works. Okay. No, like a wall could I, be a side, right? Yeah, like true, true. so that's yeah, a point yeah. for Byron, right? Hell yeah. Yes, yes. One point for Byron. I'm so yeah. impressed with you right now, Byron. Man, that was so good. Good job. <laughs> okay, guys. I think uh you guys are up for a competition today. 
Okay. So next one. Driver's card. Kanban. No. <laughs> Driver's card. What? Formula Grand Prix? No. Driver's card? <laughs> Ticket to ride. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it. Oh, that was good. Oh, my God. Okay. And good cats. Third. Ready? Uh, avoid strange pets outside. <laughs> <laughs> avoid strange pets outside. <laughs> What in the world? <laughs> what in the world? Oh my god! Uh, okay, just so you know, I don't know if I should give you guys a hint. No, I'm. I'm I keep thinking of Dinosaur Island. <laughs> <laughs> Think of the title of the game. How it can be? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> what do you think we're thinking of? Um, what's it, Vlad? A pet game. Uh, Avoid strange pets outside. (laughs) Dungeon pets. No. That was the blood again. Okay, just just so you guys know, fictional beings in in some languages that are based on religion, maybe, and things like that might be interpreted in different ways. Anyways, okay. Escape from the aliens in outer space. Yeah. No, no. I'm gonna give Epo point five. <laughs> well, then I should get point five too. So okay. Yeah. No, I was gonna no. give. You said the. You guys yelled it. I don't know. Elias yelled the full name. Yeah, I stopped yelling when I when he stopped. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll I'll give you both one point. Elias, you're still in the lead. Okay. I protest. Okay. Also, okay. yeah. All right. Go ahead. Next. Okay. Next. Number four. Circuit night. May I ask how night is spelt? Uh, like nighttime, day night. Oh, circuit night. Grand Prix? No. Uh, it's the, uh, really weird. Steampunk rally? No. Dark moon? No. Any last guesses before I tell you the answer? Any hints? Uh, no, that hint was too easy. We shouldn't have got that last one. <laughs> no, no, we we don't we don't know. Okay, do you want me to leave it and then maybe it, you'll you'll think of it later? No, what's the answer? The answer you would never have guessed it. One night ultimate werewolf. Oh, get the fuck out of here! <laughs> I don't know. Okay, how to... <laughs> okay. okay. I, I don't mind at all that we didn't get that one. <laughs> okay, this one is weird. I don't. They're like, all okay. weird. Do yeah. Okay. Ready? <laughs> Ready to guess fast. <laughs> Camel shade. Camel up. Camel shade. Through the desert? No. Camel shade. It's really weird, this one. It's not Toggy, because you didn't want one word places. No. What? Where would camel come from? It's, this one was a really weird one. <laughs> like, yeah, because... It, it had nothing to do with anything. Like, it, uh, I don't know. Yeah, they in some languages, the camel the is the same as, uh, uh, I don't know, dark. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you guys ready for the answer? Yeah, give it to us. You guys all know this game very well. Catan. No. (laughs) 
Any last Lord last Sarai. guesses? No. No. Three, two. Through the Tigris and Euphrates. Shadows over Camelot. Oh. <laughs> oh. 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 It was oh my so God. weird. Oh, I don't know I mean, why they we put camel done that, shade. Right? Yeah. Shadows yeah, shade. Camel, Camelot. Camelot. Yeah. yeah. They just removed the last two letters. It was weird. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's on us. All right, next one. Okay, next one. Number six. Big ice block. That's <laughs> 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 oh, okay. so good. Um, Big ice block. Ice, ice cool. No. Hey, that's my fish. No. Northwest Passage? No. Oh, Snowblind? No. Panamax? No. What? <laughs> You're getting close, though. Not Panamax. It's big ice block. Big ice block. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Russian railroads? No, Eva. <laughs> big ice, ice. Big ice. Uh. <laughs> Byron's face is killing me. He keeps like raising his eyebrows. Greenland? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a big ice. Something to do with skyscrapers? No. Okay, I'm just gonna tell you. So right. big ice block <laughs> is a few acres of snow. Oh shit! <laughs> oh, I feel so angry at myself right now. Oh. I put the easier ones first and they get harder. Okay, clearly. <clears throat> well, please. <laughs> okay, guys, ready? Yes. The rage of a reproductive success. <laughs> Blood rage. <laughs> the rage of a reproductive, like a cycle. Dominant species. The ring. No. Rage of the War of the Ring. No. The anger of babies. <laughs> Is that a game? <laughs> the rage Evolution. of a reproductive success. Um, Exploding kittens. Oh, and it's, it's a long sentence, right? It's the rage of a reproductive success. If it's Catan. <laughs> Is it something like the birth of a nation? Is there a game like that? Mm -mm. Reproductive success as a character. <laughs> What? <laughs> oh. uh, the castles of Mad King Burgundy. <laughs> no. Sherlock Holmes. The rage of That's a reproductive a success. Okay, so the characters um, of Sherlock. <laughs> okay, time's up, guys. Oh, but yeah, I would imagine. The fury of Dracula. <laughs> oh, Dracula's a reproductive success. Uh, All right. Uh, Apparently. Because they translated that. it to vampire and then... That's good, though. Shit. Okay, next. Okay, ready? Yes. The next one. Yeah. The child age. Ch the what? <laughs> Through the ages. The, ch the child age. New era. But you're on the right track. It's something with... Era. Like, era. The medieval age. Twilight struggle. The child age like the modern age the stone age stone the age the child age no I've, i'm not going to give you the answer civilization <laughs> i said it right before you no I, that's not the answer civilization no 
Stone age. No. The child oh. age. Um, Deus. Close, close. Hot, hot. <laughs> spring. New spring. <laughs> <laughs> just cut out the thinking. Okay. I'm just going to tell you the answer. Fuck. Okay. In the year. Of the dragon. Oh, yeah. The dragon. Oh. Shit. Okay. 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 Two more, guys. Shut you up. can do it. Right. Okay. Okay. Fight with society groups. Euphoria. Is this War of the Ring? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be like social circle. Like I can't. I can't. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Last one, guys. Society right. groups. <laughs> yeah, like, like social circles. That's what guys, I got. The last one. The last one is hilarious. Okay. Celebrity favorites. Okay, I give up. Uh, Kitchen rush. It was already guessed. You guys already guessed it, but it was wrong before. Blood rage. Through the ages. <laughs> Stone age. <laughs> No, this is killing me. Yeah, it's bad. Era, the medieval ages. That's all you guessed uh, so far. No. Panamax. No. Fuck. After that, you guessed it after. <laughs> what the hell did he say after? I don't pay attention to says 90% of the time. Wait, wait, guys. I think, I I think he, he guessed it when, during the rage of a reproductive success. Oh, my God. Blood rage. Oh, no. evolution. Dominant species. Yes! <laughs> oh. <laughs> Celebrity oh. favorites. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Apparently, you're, uh, a you're dominant if you're a celebrity. <laughs> okay. So the winner is yeah. Elias with three points. Byron in second place with two points and Ipo with one point. Uh, Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Elias. Back I guess to no complaints today. Intended, the natural order. I'm, as as your I'm as your second. dominant species. <laughs> as your favorite celebrity. <laughs> That's right. I, I like that favorite is species, which is super weird. <laughs> <laughs> this win was my gift uh, for your birthday. <laughs> Yeah, I, happy, happy birthday from us. I, uh, I have the stats, Epo. We know that we're not recording this win for you. <laughs> I have the stats, guys. Okay. So the <laughs> wins don't count as real wins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And that was the game show of the week with a little help from Esperanto. Oh, man. There's so much silence I'm going to have to cut out of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of silence, do you guys notice the absence of silence right now? <laughs> it's, uh, it's getting louder, isn't it? Yeah. What is that? I is can that hear... the, new, the new Giro's place that's <laughs> opening downstairs? It's a, is that an ice cream truck? No, that's an ice cream oh truck. Oh, my God. Thing. We are... Oh, my God. It just gets worse and worse. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, guys, you're in Canada. You cannot do these jokes anymore. <laughs> it's okay. We're in private in Canada. So. <laughs> it's time for the Hippocratic Corner. <laughs> Welcome to this Hippocratic Corner. And. Mashallah. <laughs> 
this time. <laughs> we have the top three that everybody was expecting for a long time, or all, all our listeners. The top three games best played with two players. Also known as top three two-player games. <laughs> or you could... Yes. Be- we had this problem with the definition, right? Well, I think in the end we said whatever happens, happens, right? Like, if you want to pick a two-player only game, that's fine. And if you want to pick a game that you only play with two players, even though it plays other counts, that's fine too. Exactly. As long as you feel that the game is best played with two players. Agreed. Agreed. As long as you're happy. Okay. So I hope you're so, happy. Uh, so, Elias, it's your birthday. Do you want to go first, last, what? Well, the thing is, I feel the least confident about this as well. No, I, I feel super confident about my list. I just know that you three specifically are not going to appreciate anything on this list. <laughs> just, just because in general, Ipo, not Ipo, but Dima and Barn are haters because they can't beat me at any two-player games. And um, <laughs> That's not true. And well, I can beat you at Star Wars. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, I'll just go through. I just want to shout out, like we touched on a lot of games in this episode that are really good at two, like La Granja and Pax Renaissance. So those are great games at two as well. So this sort of fits into the theme of all that. Obviously, Twilight Struggle being a two-player only game. So this sort of fits into that. And, and, and I think those three games that we discussed during the banter could also be considered their own sort of top three as well. Um, they're all really good with two. So that being said, my number three is A Few Acres of Snow. (laughs) So Dima hates this game because she didn't realize I was amassing an army outside her capital. Um, And she continued to pick off tiny canoe towns while I was doing (laughs) And Byron hates this game because Elias said the same thing to him. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Ipo played this game for a while back and forth. Uh, We played in person a few times and then we played on Yukata. I think we played like four or five on Yukata. And it was really good. Like, especially once we started figuring out like how to win with the British because it's famous for being easier to win with the British using something called the Halifax Hammer. But this being the second edition, I think that gets a lot more hate than it should because Ipo and I, we didn't look up that solution. And honestly, for the first maybe four or five games, no one could win with the British. We were just winning with the French constantly. Um, eventually we won with the British, but it wasn't using a Halifax hammer. It was sort of just using the point system, grabbing a lot of those smaller towns and stuff. So I think if you just don't look up this supposedly game-breaking strategy, there's a lot of depth to be had. I've played this game well over 12 or 13 times and I really enjoy it. And I feel like if I'm playing with someone who knows the game, I have a chance of winning either as the British or the French. Uh, although I will say that if you play with a beginner, you're probably going to smash them no matter which side you pick. So uh, keep that in mind. So that's a few because it's a Martin Wallace game. It's an awesome deck building mechanic. I love how the board integrates the deck building mechanics so there's cards you can put in your reserve there's discard piles and everything there's just so much happening there's the ones you commit to the siege and so on so uh for me it's one of my favorites i adore the theme i adore the designer i think it looks lovely and i love a few acres of snow so that's i'm very happy i'm very happy you placed it there because uh this was my number four didn't make it to, to my top three so i was really sad it was not there 
Awesome. Awesome. I'm happy that you at least like it. The other two, I'm sure it didn't make it within a mile of their top three because they suck. It wasn't even considered. Okay. <laughs> My number two <laughs> is a game that you three, again, would probably not put on there because I've played with you three maybe a combined like 16, 17 times and none of you have ever beaten me. However, um, I'm not that good at the game. Eric and me win about 50-50%. It's Tashkalar, oh. Arena of Legends. Oh, it's, oh yeah. Uh, Vlad Akhvato game is one of my favorites. And it's a game about, it's an abstract game. So you're basically placing down little stones and creating shapes on the board. And when you do, you'll be able to summon creatures, which are cards, which give you like massive effects that change the the game and you're either trying to accomplish tasks which are it's called the high form or you're trying to kill each other which is called the death match i personally enjoy the high form a lot more it plays up to four and uh you can do like everyone against each other but i don't like that i like the back and forth uh it feels more strategic more chess like when it's just two players um i have all the factions so the base game comes with four factions um two identical in case you want a perfectly even game and uh, since then, I've also bought three more factions. One of them uses like frozen effects where the cards are not as strong, but you have effects that you freeze and you can thaw later to boost your other effects, which is an awesome thing. Another one of them has this thing which everything centers around this portal to hell, basically. And everything that you do is centered around this portal and the movement of this portal. And the third one does things relating to time and um they're like an ether race, and it's just so much fun. The races that come to the board, there's two sort of like basic uh, vanilla factions, the northern and the southern, and then you have one that's about like nature, and it's all about movement and large swaths of movement, and there's another one called the Highland, which is basically uh, super strong, but it takes more pieces to summon things than other factions. So there's so much depth in this game, and you sort of learn which factions are good at fighting other factions. And I, I, I played this game, I think, over 30 times at this point, and uh, there's no stopping inside for me. I adore this game, um, Tashkalar, Arena of Legends. Yeah, I agree. And there's a lot of replayability. I like that about it. As you said, it's an abstract game with cards, which is, which is a very strange and interesting combination. But the mm -hmm. more you play, the more you know the decks, right? So now when I play with Eric, because he's played now over 100 times, um, when I play, he's like one of the highest ranked people on Board Game Arena. We have we win about 50-50% of the games, but he plays a lot more than I do. So when like I'm building something, he knows what I'm building. So he'll look at him and be like, oh, this guy's trying to summon this thing. And then he'll try to counter it. Like, I'm not at that level yet. But there's a lot of growth to be had in this game. So check it out if you haven't. I think it gets not as good a reputation as it should have. It's a terrific game. And my number one, if you haven't figured it out by now, is Sekigahara, the unification <laughs> of Japan. Um, Epo playing it online doesn't count because literally on our first combat, we didn't we couldn't figure out how the system works on, on Yukata, and we just abandoned it. So... Your opinion really doesn't count on that one. It does, um, yeah, I agree. Cancelled. <laughs> but this game is, to me, like the definition of good design. Like, it's gorgeous pieces, and there's not that much you can do. You can basically move, and there's ways to move farther. Um, and there's cards that don't have any 
information on them. They just have little Mon family symbols on them. And you're just trying to combine the cards and the, because your card is all your, your hand is always moving and shifting and you're always discarding down your cards. So you're just trying to get the right army in the right place when you've sort of held onto the right number of cards and got and, and whittled down your deck and got more of those cards and combined them so that you've, you've like tripled the impact of this one group of three or four blocks from the same family. Um, there's so much to this game. I remember I played it with Basil and I was about to, I was playing the Tokugawa side. So it's about the unification of Japan where the Tokugawa shogunate, um, uh, sorry, the Tokugawa fought against the, um, the, uh, the, the, the emperor or the shogun at the time, no, the emperor at the time. And, um, basically took power and sort of pushed Japan into its modern day um, uh, growth spurt, right? Uh, but that's all not in there. It's just focusing on the combat between uh, Tokugawa and and uh, the emperor. And I, I, I was at the castle and I was about to destroy him and, and I just played two cards in the wrong order. And because of that, I wasn't able to build up enough impact to take out every last piece which is what i needed to do because the last piece he had to kill off was the actual like emperor's son or something like that so just because of that just because i played those cards in the wrong order i came out like one or two impact short and i was like oh no no i just meant to flip those two and basil was like ah i mean you could do that but uh you're gonna win with an asterisk on your name and i was like all right you know what i'm not gonna do that and i still managed to win the game like when it got to the end of it, I had more control of the board and so on. But that's how delicate this game is, that playing just two cards in the wrong order, swapped order, was the difference between winning the game through conquering and, and, and taking out the emperor, the emperor's son, or lasting to the end of the game and winning because I control all the supply points and castles. So it's brilliant. It's absolutely gorgeous. I, I To me, it's one of the best-looking games I've ever played. And... I just want to play it all the time. Like if anyone ever comes up to me and goes, would you like to play Sekigahara, which hasn't happened nearly enough? My answer is yes. I want to play Sekigahara <laughs> right now. <laughs> so um, I love the game. It's definitely the best two player game ever made. And uh, there you go. Take that with whatever it's worth. So Thank you. Thank you. That was, these are really great two player games. And uh, let's go with Byron. Byron, what would you say? What are what is your top three? So my top three, starting at number three, is also Sigigara. Oh, unexpected! I may have wow. only played it once, but I had I had a lot of fun micro interactions that I really enjoyed. Like I'm terrible at war games, especially the two player variety, and I know I'm gonna lose. But if the game can still sort of give me some sort of victory on my own, like. Oh, I had a really good battle over there, or I took that castle over there. Yeah, it, those sort of stories to me matter more than just okay, cool, I won. I even remember like the reason that you lost that game is because you decided to send your uh, general down the this massive highway, and I managed to yeah. surround you on both sides with armies. And I love that story. Like 
the decision of choosing yeah. to go down this path means you literally got trapped from both sides by the Tokugawas. And um, I think that's awesome. I, uh, I love that natural storytelling that came up in the game without actually having to say anything like that. No, exactly. Like you can get the, for the pure competition of the game, but you can also have fun while you play it. My number two is Innovation mm. by Carl Chadak. It's not everyone's most popular game, um, but I, I quite enjoy it. It's really simple to learn. Once you've played one, one or two games, it, it flows like you can't believe. And you can get easily 20 games in an hour. That, that's how, how fluid the game can be. I like playing it, especially with my one friend, Kevin. Um, I, I think that might be your favorite game at this point. His favorite designer, sorry, at this point. Yeah, he's up there. Yeah. Because yeah. Glory to Rome, Red 7, Innovation. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's done a lot of good things for me. That's why I was disappointed with that other space game that I won't talk about. Impulse. <laughs> <laughs> and in my number one spot for that, which you guys shouldn't be quite surprised about, is Jaipur. Oh, yeah. Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah, you do love Haven't that game. That it has so a long. super low rating. But there's quite a lot of strategy to actually winning a game of Jaipur. Agreed. And it's it's about it's about knowing how many camels you need more than everyone else <laughs> to win the game. You mean camels or camelot? I'm just not sure anymore. Uh, <laughs> are you throwing shade? <laughs> Camel shade. <laughs> my favorite wow. thing. Yeah, that's my top. Three. My favorite thing in that game is one of the camels. You can see like a panda packed under its saddle. Uh, yeah. And I think uh, the designer of Jaipur, when he came up with Isfahan, which was themed as a camel, the game kind of went under notice because at the same time that came out, Zularetto came out, which was super popular. And Zularetto's icon is a, is a panda. So they threw shade at that by having a dead panda <laughs> under the, <laughs> yeah. under the um, uh, saddle of one of the camels, which is hilarious. That's a great top three, Byron. And I haven't uh, played uh, Jaipur, neither uh, innovation. So I need to play this game. So how would you know that's a great top three, Ipo? Because I like mm. the, the way he described the games and uh, his excitement in his eyes. That our <laughs> listeners <cannot> see. <laughs> it's true. I, I was staring at Ipo the whole time. <laughs> okay, let's hope that uh, Dima has some games that I know. Okay. Dima? So, my number three is Mage Knight. Wow. I love playing oh, yeah. Mage Knight weekend afternoons. I like, I love playing it three player, two player. I played it three player <laughs> once and I didn't like it as much. Um, it takes longer and um, I just like the adventure aspect of the game, building your deck fighting creatures beating the dragons that i can actually never beat and i just wait for elias to beat them so i can go through <laughs> oh yeah we, we tend to play co-op when we play it too because yeah yeah but um the, you can play the game co-op or competitive and dima mm -hmm. for the same reason that you don't like to play it at three i don't like to play it at two because it's faster with one that's why i i prefer mm -hmm. um so yeah go ahead so i recommend it at two elias recommends it at one <laughs> And my number two is La Granja. I'm not going to say anything oh, about it. We just talked about it. Nice. Um, and my number one is Targi. 
Nice. I love oh, Targi. Yes. Um, I can great. play it any time of the day, even when I'm at work. I'm surprised it didn't make Byron's list, honestly. <laughs> and, it was in my top five. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know if I should talk about the game, but it's um, it's basically card collection. Like you get the resources and pay for cards and it's build a tableau like building a game. tableau yeah. building. For it's a four by three tableau that you need to build. First one to put together twelve cards and the game, and then you count points. So. It's it's a lot of fun. It's super interactive. All, all the and things quick. to describe in Targi, that would be the last thing I would describe. <laughs> like the that's the least fun part about Targi. Because I think I it's described it like four, two episodes ago. I know, but like it's a game where you like you place your guys like there's a grid of actions and you place your Targis on the borders, but then wherever your Targis intersect in the middle, you also get that action. So that's the brilliance in Targi, not the four by three grid of stuff you put in front of you. Like, also, <laughs> it's one of the few two-player games that I can actually beat Elias in. You're, you're, you definitely give me much more than I do. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that has an impact on why it's in my top three. <laughs> um, and that's my top three. Epo, on to you. I uh, just want to kindly remind you that it's only three games, not 52. <laughs> it's only three. And uh, it's funny, guys, that uh, each one of us has a different top three. I think the only uh, overlapping was Sekigahara right now. Yes. So oh. far, right? Yes. Mm. Okay. So my number three is Twilight Struggle. Mm. As, uh, as Dima said before. Recency bias. <laughs> It is there, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say this. It, it, it's there because, as I said before, uh, Twilight Struggle pushed out of my top three the few acres of snow, which is an amazing game. Oh uh, wow! Martin Wallace Mine? is is gonna be so pissed off at you when he hears this. <laughs> no, no, Martin is my I mean, friend. First, first, and, he's gonna and, be a Andy's first, friends with first, AK. Exactly. First, AK disrespected him <laughs> by taking a selfie with the Lincoln poster instead of him, and now you're disrespecting him. By taking an inferior game and putting it ahead of his, so I think he will be okay with Twilight Struggle. I don't. I think he should go to the corner and think about what you've done. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if he's gonna be okay with my number two game, which is Seventh Continent. Oh boy! For me, <laughs> the best count for Seventh Continent is uh, two players, and uh, for the people that they don't know Seventh Continent, it's an exploration adventure. Uh, co-op cooperative game uh, you lay down the map you explore the map it's uh, card gives you some more information of the this seventh continent that uh, you're trying to explore and if you lay down the whole deck of cards it's gonna be like your whole room so it's really a huge continent that takes place and reveals itself in front of you it, it's an amazing feeling I love the it's, it's the only game that gives me really the feeling of uh, adventure and exploration. I know there are so many exploration games, but I don't feel exploration in any other game. I agree. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's there. Yeah. It, it's uh, but it's I, huge. But I feel like you didn't pick the best two-player game there. I feel like you picked the best couple game for you and Lena. Like, I don't think it's a two-player game that I would come over to play with you, right? Like, it's, I don't know. Like, because I feel like, I think I know you're number one. Um, and I, th like, I think it follows the same logic, correct? That you no. played it. Oh, it's not Pandemic Legacy. No. 
Okay. You don't know my number one. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. I was thinking, what you said, you have a point that, because I was thinking about Dead of Winter. Dead of Winter was amazing, was an amazing experience for me, Lena, but it's not best for two players. I cannot say it's best with two players. Okay. So, uh, and also Pandemic Legacy, the same thing. That's so interesting. So it's not there. Okay, well. So my number one two-player game is Virzin das Volk. No fucking way, Paul. <laughs> we are the people. You put, you, put Twilight Imper- you put Twilight Struggle twice on the same list? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Twilight Struggle, when it grows up, it will be Virzin das Volk. <laughs> because the main difference between these two games, it's, it's a game called War. Okay, it's a game... Um, alternative actions and uh, area control and all these things. But the great thing about this game is that there's no dice. Mm. That doesn't doesn't make the difference. Yes. And it's uh, a game designed by Richard Sivel and Pierre Sylvester. And Richard Sivel is the guy that uh, designed also Maria. Yes. Who's the who? Maria is uh, one of the best three-player games. Like. Agreed. Designed for three players. So this is designed for two players. It's excellent. I have played with With the two plus two expansion, it's actually four. It's two versus two. But we never played that. No, we didn't. We didn't. I cannot say. Uh, It's one more game that I have only played online. No, we played it in person at my house. Did we? Yeah, man. I think think we we never finished. No, we finished it, yeah. I okay, want. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm really, I'm really old, so <laughs> cannot really remember these early days. I always found but, the game to be um, janky. Like there's, there's a lot of phases <laughs> in the game, and it's super hard to keep track of when things are going to happen. So because of that, I, um, I don't know. I always felt like it was a bit janky. Like I didn't dislike it, but Nah, like it I, w- I want to say yeah, it's not a game for everybody yeah. uh, and I traded it for Pax Premier which is a win in my book so yeah <laughs> so no, no hard feelings no hard feelings at all so yeah with this one okay so that was my top three I'm so surprised I mean I thought yeah. if it made anything maybe <laughs> you're number three like, I'm so happy that we came up with uh, 12 great games, I believe, even if I don't know these two. 11. 11. <laughs> 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. Even, even our listeners could have uh, great ideas. So, guys, please let us know what Impossible. your top three would be on our Twitter account at TT Sessions QA or over at our BGG Guild. They don't have good ideas. That's why they listen to us, okay? <laughs> also, if any of our listeners are excited about the two-player games and want to challenge Elias at them, the, his Board Game Arena account name will be listed in the episode <laughs> description as well. Please challenge him on all of these games and please beat him. Board Game I wanted to say Board Game Arena is such a good name for to host a game like uh, Tascalar. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, Eric Eric and me, we have a nice competition back and forth. So um, I just don't like playing with strangers, but you know what? Listeners are family, so they're not strangers. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, so guys. thank you, guys. This was a bit of a long episode, but this brings us to the end of this tabletop session. Thank you so much for listening. Please check our very active Instagram account at Tabletop Sessions. You can reach us through Twitter at TT Sessions QA or 
join the conversation over at our Board Game Geek Guild. And you can find the link to all of these in the episode description. Please rate us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts or rate us through your Android podcast app of choice. This helps us so much. And we recently had a couple more five-star ratings and it really helped boost the podcast. Like it's the best thing you can do to help support us. And I cannot tell you how much we appreciate you just taking the 30 seconds it would take to go rate the podcast and give us your feedback. We'll be back in three weeks. And until then, Live from Toronto, Canada, for the first time on Tabletop Sessions, quoting one of his favorite writers, God damn it, you've got to be kind. Say bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye, eh? Is that what they say here? Bye, eh? Bye, <laughs> eh? <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to be, be Canadian <laughs> I learned Canadian already. <laughs> sure, that was Table tabletop. Table tabletop. Table tabletop. Table tabletop. Table tabletop. Session.